We're looking at the four kinds of Christmas, and Margaret read for us Isaiah chapter 9. Those are the ancient words that we are thinking about. They're, you know, what are they? I don't know, 2,750 years or something uh, old. Very ancient indeed, but bang up to date. We're going to look at those. That's going to be the reading next week as well. Actually, it's going to be a reading on Christmas Eve, because if you remember nothing this Christmas, you will remember Isaiah chapter 9. Uh, and verses two uh, uh, to seven. Uh, in, in the little book I'm following by Glenn Srivner, I just wanted to bring these with me and give them a plug. I'm not getting any commission, but this is a volume called Reading Between the Lines of Old Testament Daily Readings by Glenn Scrivener, and they are excellent. There's another volume like this on the New Testament called Reading Between the Lines as well. Uh, this one, the pages are actually falling out of it because I've read, used it for several years. Uh, just going back to the beginning and started again. So I, I recommend that if you're looking for a Christmas present, a, a good book to buy someone, that's recommended. Also by him, one called The Air We Breathe. Not many of you will have read this book, one or two have, but this is a, a very interesting book, a bit more in-depth than the other one. Um, how we all came to believe in freedom, kindness, progress, and equality. It is basically how the Christian faith has affected the development of the world that we live in and how the neglect of the Christian faith is leading the world into a ruin. So it's a very, very, very interesting book, very uh, good uh, to read. So those are just a little bit of a... Oh, there's one other announcement. <coughs> Last week, I used an illustration in my sermon. It's probably too late to do this, but... But the illustration was about Janet knitting a, cardi a, a, a pullover. I wasn't supposed to tell you that. It's supposed to be a surprise. If you're talking to Rebecca, please do not mention. <laughs> please do not mention the iron sweater that she's getting knit for her because it's meant to be part of her Christmas present. <laughs> I'm always doing stupid things like that. Spoiler. So there we are. Now. I'm going to say very quickly go through the second point in this. Uh, last week we were on the first day. The four kinds of Christmas are actually four responses that people make to the Christmas message, which is in essence the gospel. The gospel. Uh, set against the darkness. What we saw last week was that the Christmas message is not going to be understood. It is going to be totally irrelevant to us if we haven't first grasped the darkness, the spiritual darkness which encompasses the whole world for all of history. You need to have that right before you can start understanding what all this business about the light. Light of the world, you step down into darkness. The darkness was there first. You've got to get that right. Ebenezer Scrooge <clears throat> had a particular approach to darkness. You heard it in the wee, the wee video. <clears throat> the darkness is the bleak, sinful, corrupt world that we live in. It's the, 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 uh, the, the what this book calls, it's the air we breathe. It's the air we breathe. And Scrooge developed his own brand of Christmas cheer. Let me just quote that because I love it. Every idiot who goes about with Merry Christmas on his lips should be boiled with his own pudding and buried with a stick of holly through his heart. He was a miserable being. And that's just how he coped with the darkness. He looked out on a bleak world. He looked ahead to a bleak future. And he lived his life, a bleak life, 
to fit in with all of that. What did he do? He adapted himself to the darkness. As many do. So we come to the second kind of Christmas. And we're calling it, uh, Scribner calls it, the shopper people. The shopper people. And this is not a condemnation of all the consumerism and the present buying and the food buying. I'll probably mention that again. But this is not a, we do this every year. We say, oh, this is terrible. I love Christmas and I love Christmas. No, I don't love Christmas shopping. But I, I love to say, and I certainly love the food shopping. The second kind of Christmas person is the shopper. And the shopper person says this. Don't be so gloomy. Stoke the fires. Let's celebrate. The light is going out. They accept that. The light is going out. So let's celebrate while we can before it's too late. And they celebrate a very happy winter fest. In a school I know of, uh, and not a church I know of, the local school wanted to advertise their Christmas thing on the fence surrounding the building. And the banner they put up was something to do with Winterfest. And they were asked to take the banner down because the Church of Jesus Christ cannot be advertising Winterfest. It's Christmas with Christ, the first part of the, the title. So, uh, such people, um, you know, have you ever seen those movies where there's an asteroid or a comet or some great ball of fire heading for planet Earth? Now, you know very well by the end of the movie that I've got it all sorted. But anyway, for the moment, it's heading for planet Earth. The temperature is going up. Everybody's going do lolly, And just society breaks down and they just lose all control of themselves. Well, that's the kind of image which is coming across here just a little bit. We know it's not good, but we're going to enjoy ourselves anyway while we can. And these people, shopper people, they conclude that this life is all there is. It's full of darkness. They see that, so they decide to make the most of it. And somewhat Scribner, I think it is, says, their unofficial motto is, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. And as I said earlier, amazingly, the shoppers... Uh, are not necessarily the commercialized consumers whom we complain about all the time. They actually have something right about Christmas, despite all the stuff I've said already. They've got something right because they're not Scrooges. They like joy. They like happiness. They like celebrating, and actually, <clears throat> without realizing it, they are uh, fulfilling an aspect of what it means to be human. What does Jesus say in the New Testament? I have told you this. It's John chapter 15, and he's telling them all sorts of stuff. But he says, I have told you this so that my joy might be in you. You're a branch on the vine, he says, and my life flows through you. I'm telling you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. What is Jesus saying? We're built for joy. We're not built to be misery guts. We are built for joy and rejoicing and celebrating. 
The joy of the Lord is our strength, we read in Nehemiah. Paul writes to Timothy that the wealthy are to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. I don't know what kind of a God you worship, but my God, and I'm hoping he's the God of the Bible that I've read about there, wants me to have joy. He wants me to live a celebratory life in the power of Jesus. So the first point there then is is these merrymakers, they haven't got it all wrong. They haven't got it all wrong. The second thing to to look at then following that is the truth which is reflected in their lives. The prophet Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 9, the prophet Isaiah speaks of this in chapter 9. He looks to the future and sees what the coming Christ child will bring. And here is what we find in Isaiah chapter 9. This is what Margaret read for us. You have enlarged the nation and increased their what? Increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. Now, we don't want to moralize about about war and soldiers and what have you. It's an illustration. Warriors rejoice when they've won the battle or won the war and in in the day, dividing the plunder. How does Isaiah see the future? With joy. With joy and rejoicing and celebration. The word rejoice appears in verse 3, three times. Yes, there is the darkness of verse 2, but it's only a valley, as it were. On the other side, there is incredible hope. There is incredible peace. There is incredible liberation. Let me just read verses 4 and 5 quickly. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. What is he saying? In modern terms, the weapons are melted down and turned into tractors and televisions and toasters. Not wiping out thousands of people in a tiny little pinprick in the Middle East. Blood-stained military gear, Isaiah says, will be burned because they are no longer needed. There will be a time, says Isaiah, through this child that's going to be born. There will be a time when war will cease and the whole world will celebrate. The Christmas child will usher in this happy future, this joyful future. I suppose we could say it's a bit like Christmas, isn't it? Or at least how we imagine Christmas should be, very joyful. It's very interesting, well, I find it very interesting, that just about every time that Jesus describes this future, when he will come again, because that's what Advent is about, Not just about looking forward to the 25th of December and celebrating the Christ child, but looking forward to the maybe not so distant future. The second advent, when the Christ will return to end history as we know it. 
And it's very interesting that just about every time Jesus describes this future, which he will bring in, he speaks of it in terms of happy occasions with friends and family and feasting. Uh, in Matthew 22, we have this great, great feast described there. And here's what Jesus said, that the kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. Now, we haven't time to go into all the details. We know the people who were invited wouldn't come. But according to Jesus, creation is heading towards what we might call feasting joy. So, Christmas shoppers, they're not entirely wrong to emphasize family, food, and festivity. So don't be feeling guilty about Christmas Day. I certainly don't feel guilty about my Christmas dinner. Don't be feeling guilty about it. There's a deep truth here. It's about what we are created for. Now, you wouldn't think that with some Christians. I'm just being perfectly honest with you. They are as miserable as gout. They are, and you know that. They wouldn't attract anybody to anything. Isn't that right? This is what we are created for. There is, however, a problem. And the Christmas shopper people are right in the middle of this problem. The third thing is the vital hope. Isaiah doesn't leave us just messing around in the dark and blind comments. The shopper doesn't believe in the happy ever after thing. You know the Christmas, let let me do a quick, time is flying away, I need to move very quickly, but how many people watch Christmas 24 or Hallmark Christmas movies? Anybody? Oh, sad people. Do you not know that it's the same story every time? (laughs) Dressed up in different clothes. It's sometimes even the same actors and actresses. You see, Janet watches them. She was actually watching one when I was preparing for tonight. That's why I wrote it down. You know, but they always live, no matter how bad the scenario is, they always live happily ever after. That's why she likes them. She likes things that end up happily ever after. But in truth, the shopper person has the same view of the future as Scrooge. Because there is no belief in God, no belief in anything, you don't even believe in Santa Claus, no belief in anything beyond the grave. Very sad. Sin and Satan, Paul says, have blinded them to that. The shopper's life is all about, shall we say, Blazing now. Blazing now. And when it's all over, the dark valley of the shadow is still there. Just like January hits us after December. When the credit card bills come in and all the rest of it. Conclusion. Isaiah's conclusion. For a meaningful Christmas... We need a true hope for the future. Without this, Christmas cheer is like tinsel, like tinsel. And we are like the tree. If we're a real one, we're rotting away. If we're an artificial one, we're going back in the box. That's all over till next Christmas. 
We can surround ourselves with shiny stuff all year long. And I'm like a bit of a magpie. I love shiny stuff. They don't allow me to put up tinsel in our house because I would have it everywhere. We can surround ourselves with all the shiny stuff we like. But nothing, none of this can stop the rot and the decay. Without God, we have no life in us. No matter how active we are or happy we seem to be, without God, we have no true life in us. Certainly not the kind of life that outshines the darkness, the shadow of death. Isaiah speaks in the past tense. I remember he was, he, he was writing 700 years before the baby was born in the manger. And he says, you, that's God, you God, have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. Don't know what you believe, but he's not talking about Israel. This never did happen. The heydays of Israel were well over the time he wrote this. This is the hope for the future. This is the prophetic thing. Looking across the mountain ranges of the generations to the time when the Christ would come and when the Christ would come again. This is the hope for the future. And it is so positive. It's a done deal. He speaks of it, it's spoken of as though it has already happened. Isn't that amazing? We're sitting here in church this morning and what Isaiah actually talks about, it's, it's, it, it's, it's done. There is no doubt about it. That's what we should be celebrating this Christmas time. This hope that the shopper person doesn't have, it's a done deal. And Christmas, it's nothing without it. Ironically, that's just what Christmas is about. Strip away all the other stuff and we're left with Isaiah's child. We'll come to that uh, at a later stage. Uh, the son given in verse 6. We don't have to get depressed. by the. I would get depressed just looking at the war in, in the Middle East at the minute. It's horrible. It's horrendous. And you're wondering, how can human beings do this to each other? But you don't have to get depressed by the darkness and become Scrooge's accommodating ourselves to the darkness. The child is the hope. The child is Jesus. That's who Isaiah is talking about. Light of the world, we, we sung it as a, a, one of my favorite songs. Light of the world, you step down into darkness. He shines into the darkness of our sin from a cross. And he said, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. Has he drawn you yet? That's the question this Christmas season. What about you this morning? He's been lifted up. He's exalted in the songs that we've been singing. He's been exalted in the prayers and the children's address. He's exalted in Isaiah. He has been lifted up. But have you been drawn to him yet? You see, he is God's answer to the dark mess of our world. 
dare we miss him? Don't settle for being a shopper type person who simply parties on down until it's all over, until the shadow of death overtakes him. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for these amazing ancient words. And thank you, O Lord, that they were written in the past tense to assure us by the words of the prophet that it's all done. There is no doubt about your plan and no doubt about what you're going to do. Lord, help us. Help us to be a part of it. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.